for this day. We ask you to be with us as we open the word and study and, and just have you guide and lead as we look at this. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Leviticus 20 is very similar to Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18 talked about various sexual sins and chapter 20 is the punishments for those sins. I don't know why it's separated by a chapter in between, but that's the way it is. So we're going to get started on this one. Uh, Leviticus 20, starting at verse 1. And the Lord spoke again, uh, spoken to Moses, saying, Again you shall say to the children of Israel, Whosoever be of the children of Israel, or the strangers of, that sojourn in Israel, that gives any of his seed unto Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will set my face against that man, and will cut him off from among his people, because he has given his seed unto Moloch to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do in any way hide their eyes from the, the man when he gives his seed unto Moloch and kill him cannot, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and all that go whoring after him to commit whoredom with Moloch from among the people. So we're going to stop there because this changes topic after this. Uh, you remember we talked about Moloch before. And the worship of Moloch was to sacrifice, one of the parts of worship of Moloch was to sacrifice their children. They would put their arm, put the children in an arm, and they would roll down into the idol and be burnt. Moloch had a face of a, of a, of a, a cow or a calf. And the purpose of sacrificing your child was to get a financial blessing. So you offered your, your, your child and you were supposed to get a financial blessing out of the deal. Along with that, along with sacrificing your children were all the sexual perversions that went with, with the sacrifice to Moloch. So that gives you a history and this was a very prevalent god of the Canaans and Amorites that they were headed toward in uh, the land of Israel or the promised land, Canaan. And it says that whosoever does this that they would be put to death and the land people would stone them and that was the form of the general form of capital punishment in israel was stoning and when they talk about stones they're not talking about little baseball sized stones they're two-handed stones that you picked up and the person was in a pit and basically you buried them by filling the pit with these rocks and they usually were dead long before they got Buried by the rocks, obviously, with you know, depending on where the rocks hit. I didn't know they were that big. They were, they were big. They were two. I was thinking they were just like cows. No, they weren't. They weren't little tiny things. These were, they crushed bones. They broke bones. They, you know, when the pile of them would be on you, they crushed you. It wasn't a bunch of rocks yeah. that you could crawl out from under real easy. Yeah. These were rocks that when they hit you, they were going to break your bones and and literally crush you, Probably. and crush your skull. It was not a nice way to die. So this is this is this is harsh, and so they're gonna they're to be put to death. And then he says, "And I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people." Okay, so if they didn't do their job, God is still says, "I'm going to set my face against you." And I looked up this phrase, "Set set your face against you," because I generally understood what it meant, but I wanted to know specifically. And it literally says to oppose or resist with determination. So if you say, I'm going to set my face against you, you're saying, I'm going to oppose you, and I'm going to be doing it with, uh, 
great audacity. I'm going to really push on it. I'm trying to find the right word. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to be determined to ruin you. And it's very vindictive. The statement is very vindictive. This is a very vengeful statement that God says, I will make their life miserable. And then it says he will cut them off. He will totally destroy them from among his people. Because God is not going to allow any other God to be sacrificed to. And, and then he says, if they've given your seed to Molech to defile my sanctuary. Now, they weren't actually worshiping Moloch in God's sanctuary, but God's saying, my people, if they're worshiping to other gods, are not going to then come in unto me to worship and profane my holy name. And you notice that he goes into talking about this being, if they go a whoring after other gods. This would be the same thing as a husband or a wife going out and committing adultery and then saying, well, I'm just going to go back to my husband, and, or my, you know, I'm going back to my spouse and nobody's going to care and... And the other, you know, the other party, if they found out, is going to say, no, you're not just going to go bouncing back and forth. Uh, you know, you're married to me, and you're going to not go anywhere else. And God has that attitude with the people. You're not worshiping other gods. And profane means to pollute. God says, you're not going to pollute my holy name. And this is, this is strong language that God's using to the people. And because he's serious about this. He said in, in Exodus that he is a jealous God. He's not going to allow people to worship another God and say, oh, that's okay. Just as we wouldn't. You know, we're not going to allow our family members to go off doing whatever they want and say, oh, it's okay. And verse 4 says, And if the people of the land in any way hide their eyes from that man when he gives his seed unto Moloch and kill him not, then I will set my face against them. So he's saying... If you, they're basically closing their eyes to sin and not saying the judgment has to fall, God's saying, okay, if you're, if you're not going to let it fall, then I'm going to be against you because you're supposed to take care of cleaning out the house. This is the job of a father and his family to make sure that evil is not in their house, whatever that may mean. Disciplining the children, getting rid of the children who won't, you know, who really won't obey and saying, okay, then you're going to have to leave. Uh, in, in Leviticus, we're going to find out that if the child is totally rebellious and won't listen to his parents, his parents, and it was an extreme case, the parents took him down to the, to the, to the gates and said, my child is willfully disobedient and, and will not, will not obey and, will not, will, and curses us, and they stoned the child. You talk about discipline, that's a pretty extreme discipline. But this is what God's saying. There's honor. He says, if they're giving their seed and you don't follow this law and kill them, then God was going to come against them. So when them. you say when they stone the child, would they use a big stone? Yes. Hand, not like the little one. Anytime like you see, anytime when you see stoned, that means okay, like big. They're, 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 what they did is they had pits, drug, you know, a, a pit just okay. deep enough for the person to be, you know, thrown into and not be I able to get out of real you know, easy, I, and then they threw the rocks at them and filled that pit, and I assume that they went in and emptied it and drug the body away so they didn't have to drip, you know, yeah. dig new pits every time they had to punish somebody. This was, an, this was a severe punishment, and it wasn't to be taken lightly by either the person who was being stoned or even the ones that were bringing the charges that was going to get them stoned. This was a serious thing. If you brought the charges, it was like uh, there used to be a time in... in, in uh, especially like the Old West, the person who pulled the, the gallows to drop the gallows had to be the person who brought the charge against them, 
not just anybody. And that kind of fell away over time, but it was based on this type of thing. If you're going to bring charges, you're the ones that need to. I think Stoney would be a lot worse than hanging. I think. Well, it's a lot more painful. It's not as quick. It's a lot more painful, yeah. And it's not as quick. Yeah. The hanging done right was a quick death. Yeah, it, it was you know, like that. Yeah. You, they dropped it out. You had a moment of terror, and then you were dead. And if you were stoned, being stoned, you, know, you were waiting for that rock that was actually going to be the killing blow, basically. It could be five minutes, ten minutes. You could, be, you could have died by suffocation and being yeah. crushed under the rocks. So it was a very horrible way to die. If you were lucky, you got hit on the head by one of the first rocks. <laughs> if you were lucky, you got hit on the head with one of the first rocks and at least, made, at least put unconscious or dead and before you felt anything else. So stoning was not a good way to die. And it says if you don't, if you turn your back and you don't do this, then he, God was going to set his face against those who saw this activity and says he will cut them off. And it says all that go whoring after him will, and commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. Leviticus 20. Loretta. Leviticus 20. <laughs> well, this is Wednesday night. This on <laughs> and this, this is strong language because he's talking those who commit the whoredom with Moloch because sexual activity was part of the worship of Moloch. And you sacrifice your babies and then... And, and there was a sexual activity and it was a terrible beast, you know, terrible way to worship. And we talked about that. Most of the idolatry worship involves sexual activity in their, in, their, in their worship. And that's one of the reasons God was so much against idolatry. Not just the actual physical giving, giving themselves to the God and their sacrifices, but literally the, the activities that went with it. All right, verse 6. And the soul that turn, turns after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go a-whoring after them... I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among, your, among his people. Sanctify yourself, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctifies you. So we look at this. We talked about this uh, familiar spirits, and that was communing with the dead. And we, we got into discussion that it's not technically communing with the dead. It's communing with... Demon, demons, 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 <laughs> pretending to be the dead person, and God says you're not to go after those people. You're not to. You're not to have have familiar spirits. You're not to go after wizards. And and here, wizard was actually defined as one who has a familiar spirit, a soothsayer, a, a, a fortune teller, uh, and you're not to go whoring after him. Okay, again, the idea of turning from God, following another, another lover in this case, and that's not God. And he has that same, um, that same saying, I'll set my face against you. Again, yeah. yeah, yeah. That God will set his face against them and will cut them off from among their people. So he's going to make their life miserable and he's going to separate them from the people because he doesn't want the sin to infect his people. And it's the same thing I've said in the, about this church. I want anybody and everybody to come to this church. But if they come and try to say, my sin is okay and I, and you need to, and, and, you're, and I want you to help, you know, get into it with me, 
At that point in time, we're going to go to them and say, that has got to stop. And if it doesn't stop, then we're going to go, you cannot come. Because we're going to separate ourselves from that type of activity. They're more than welcome to come as long as they want to hear God's word and respond to God's word over time. But if they want to lift up their sin as being good and get others to participate in their sin, then we've got a problem that says, no, we're going to cut it off. Otherwise, God will come looking at me and saying, why are you letting this person destroy my church? All right. So again, anybody is welcome, but nobody is to lift up their sin and their lifestyle against God and say, it's okay, and I'm going to bring as many people into it as possible. And that's where a problem will develop, and that's where God's saying, if you want to live that way and you want to lift up your sin, you're going to be separated from the people. You're not going to infect his people. And then it says, sanctify yourself, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Now, this is kind of an interesting, interesting statement. We keep reading this, I am the Lord your God. Why is this statement important? Does anybody have any ideas why this statement is important? I am the Lord your God. I am is. I am is God. It's yeah. his name. And he's the only God, and, you're the, and he's the only one you need to, yet you have to worship. There's no other okay. gods. How do we do good works for God? Well, believe in him. We believe in him. He indwells us. He comes out of us. His rules basically are saying, I'm your power to obey because I'm going to come in and live out my rules through you. We will naturally want to do wrong, and it's God who says, I am your Lord, your God. And the next one goes right into it. And you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the God which sanctifies you. Okay? It's God who does the work. Okay? It's not just a New Testament truth that we keep going over, okay? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. You know, Jesus said, you know, give your burden to him and take his burden. It is, it is easy and light. Now, it's all the way back here. I am the God that sanctifies you. He says, surrender and let me do the work. And this is why living for God in one sense is very easy if I get out of the way. If I don't get out of the way, it's the hardest life in the world to live because my flesh is going to fight and, and, and kick and, and scream the whole way that it's being forced to obey God. But when God comes in and says, I'm going to live in you and I'm going to come out, it becomes now, easy. Say that again, just a real quick part. When it says, I am your Lord God, you asked the, the question. About the value of yeah. why that is important. Yeah. Because it is God saying, I am your God, and he's going to come in. He's going to crucify our flesh, he's going to, and he's going to work out. Okay? And this is, what I'm, this is what I keep going on. Living Christianity and living God's ways, when I am out of the picture, is a piece of cake. Well, when he says, I am your God, that means... That he's living, he's living there and he's coming out. He's not just like the whole world. He's your God. He's also our God. And yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. a very personal God, right? And he's, even here he's trying to get them to understand because the Jews' statement is always, we are the children of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. Jacob. We follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But all the places, if you think about this, we keep seeing God saying, I am your God. I'm not Moses' God. I'm not Abraham's God only. You know. I'm not the Israel town. I'm 
yours. I'm yours. I want to have a personal relationship See, that's what with this you. That's kind of hard, really, in a way, for me. I think he might. I know that the whole world keeps for everybody, but I can't be selfish. Like, but I. But he's an infinite God. He. Yeah. You can have all yeah. of God, and everybody else can have all of God. But like, so something like like I love him more than you do. But I'm, I'm just saying, you know, and then, no, and then somebody else. No, I love him more than you. So we all. Christians think that way, which is great. Mm -hmm. And he's all he's all completely indwelling in all, us. Each one, that's what that's what I think is so. Every, every one of he's yeah. all of us. Yeah. Each and every one's God. Paul wrote that the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in our Lord, who then dwells in us. We have all of God in us, dwelling in us to be our power to be successful, and if we let our flesh be crucified and taken out of the way, we have great power to live live the life he wants us to live. But see, that's what is just so neat in a way I just can't believe. I think like, I, to me, I think I'm being so blessed more. But like, why? Because there's so many more people that's really more important than me. But but to me, I'm really more God, focusing, you know, and I love it. And, and I think this is, I mean, like, I cannot believe that he is actually like paying attention to me. And you, but you want to remember on that but, statement is that if you were the only one that had dwelled on this earth, God would have thought you important enough to die for you. You know, He makes no mistakes. Yeah. He makes no that's mistakes. Either, nobody, is nobody more is more important. important. Well, how I just, I may be saying wrong. There's more important, more people that missionaries and people like that. You know. But see, I'm just, you know, we want to be careful about that statement because. You saw God as God's not dead. You remember yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. you remember the pastor when he was talking to the to the to the yeah. missionary and he goes, you know, and the guy's saying God's good, he's got a plan for yeah. everything, and his answer was, Well, that's good for you because you're out on the mission field, you're on the front lines doing things. And he goes, God's got a plan for all of us. And whatever little things we do are what God wants us to do. Uh, I watched the movie Brother White that I've told people they yeah. they want to watch. You know, he's going out just doing he thinks he's being a failure. He's doing things, you know, and you know, and you know, he nobody thanks him. Nobody, nobody's, uh, nobody's looking at. You know, he's not feeling. He's not like he's giving any great spiritual advice. But he's just touching people's lives. And then at the last scene, all these people are coming to church, and it's like, "Hi, Pastor. You know, you're the one that you did this for, and I'm the one you did this for." And you know, and it just shows the little things that we do. Yeah, good. Because I just got are just what needs to be done mm -hmm. and we're going to get to heaven and see the little things that we did the consistency that we did that drew people to him now good for us that they're under the blood but we could also see all the things that we did that kept people from coming to god uh, scary. and that but is a scary I thing think what i'm always thinking it's taking me this long to really focus like I know I was I was a little wild when I was living down the beach, and you know I believed in God, but it was just I like pushed him. You aside. believed with your head, but yeah, not here. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, I just so thankful that, that, that he, God he takes me the out weak long time ago. You know, I mean, like, like you know, a strong you're, person you're, you're or a strong minded person will say, "I did it myself," right. and so He takes the weak person and the weak thing. So we know God did it. You know, we know that it wasn't that weak person or that child that. Uh, yeah. That but I mean, no, there's. I, cause I think that the more amazing. Battle, there's so many times where I could have been dead for doing yeah. stupid things. You know, 
But, but like you said, he had a purpose for me, and I think he finally, my purpose, he knew when I'm going to get older, I'm going to be more, you know. But in Proverbs, it tells us, despise not the day of small beginnings. And we never know, we never know what it is that's going to touch somebody's life. We never know what it is that we're going to say or do that's going to be that last little push that pushes somebody to Jesus. Uh, and it's so important, you know, I'm here ministering in a very small church, you know, and it's, and I know that this is where God wants me to be. You know, would I like to be in a big church? You know, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. God told me to be here. So in, in that way, no, I don't want to be in a bigger church. In a bigger church, I get paid better and all these other things, but God has, I, God has to take care of me. Yeah, and but it, you wouldn't have to work so hard to get some dumb people. <laughs> 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 but God says little things are where it starts. The church that we went to back on the East Coast, it started in a small church in the northern part of England with a hole in the floor and a wood stove. And when the pastor and his family came to join that church, it, be, it doubled its size. And God gave him a vision to go into all the world. And that church now is in over 220 uh, countries and multiple states. And you know, could he have just said, well, the God, this church is too small. It's not worth it and left. Sure he could have. If he had done that, would he have been the pastor of a church that size in the long run? No. You know, does every pastor get that blessing? No, but I can guarantee you, the sign on the wall in my office says, what's the value of a soul? You never know. One soul could be the most important person that got saved ever. You, know, you never know. You know. The people who've taken these evangelists, Billy Graham, uh, you know, we don't know exactly who led him to the Lord, but it's reported that that person never led anybody else to the Lord, but what if he hadn't led Billy Graham to the Lord? Millions of people wouldn't have seen, wouldn't have heard the message. We never know what little thing we do is going to have impact. The gift we give to Annie Armstrong or Lottie Moon offering that goes to pay for a missionary that touches just that one person who is the, the key to an entire country. I've talked to many missionaries who they're, they're talking to people, talking to people, and before long, all of a sudden, they touch somebody's life who takes them in front of the prime minister or, or some big ruler of the, you know, of the country, and all of a sudden, they're giving the gospel to the top people in the country. Why? Because they were faithful in little. We don't know what it is, and we're never going to know what some of, our, of what we did until we get to heaven. God says, here it is. Here it is. I just think it's so cool because I'm a really slow learner and I can't read real good and so I mean and I feel like I'm privileged to for being here I mean no really because I like I learn a lot from people reading it's like now I'm listening to not to music I'm listening to the gospel stations mm -hmm. and that's why I was kind of late because he was on Revelation on chapter on chapter 5 with the white horse and, ah, okay. really neat, and, the, and the five seals yep but it's God who sanctifies us. Verse 9, For everyone that curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He, he hath cursed his father and his mother. His blood is upon him. So this is, this is quite an interesting one because curse here is to make despicable to, or to actually pronounce a curse. And children can do that pretty easily if they go into wild living and, make, and drag their family name into the ground. That's pretty close to coming, making, the, you know, making them despicable. Uh, people despise their family because they didn't do a good job raising their kids. And it says, that child shall be put to death. 
and his blood is upon him. Now, I'm sure that this did not happen often, but you know, if you had a child who was being totally willful and just would not, would not been to discipline, this was the ultimate level of punishment for that child. Verse 10, and the man that commits adultery with another man's wife, even he that commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, and the, adult, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So we look at this, both parties were to be executed in, in that for adultery. And you think about when Jesus was tested by the Pharisees and they brought the woman who they said was caught in adultery. And he said, Moses said to, to, to kill her, what do you say? You know, if I had been Jesus, I would have said, where's the man? You caught her in the act. Where's the man? Yeah. It was the, probably one of them that you know set her up to be drunk, you know, to drag her in front of Jesus. It may have been one of the very things he was writing. He might have been writing just this verse. Of where's you know, and then where's the man? Yeah. You know, or other other laws. We don't know what he wrote, but they were in, they in their in their trying to entrap him violated what the law said. And the law is very specific. Both parties were to be put to death. Now we're probably glad in our day and age that this isn't the punishment for adultery, or at least those who commit adultery are probably glad that that's not the punishment. But this is God's punishment because he, the seriousness that he takes in marriage. Marriage is a picture of Jesus' union with the, with the church. And God wants to keep it pure. He wants to keep it holy in the way it's presented. And it says that they shall be put to death or executed. Now, the next, ten ver the next six verses all talk about sexual sins and the fact that both parties were to be executed in the, in the process of punishment. So verse 11. And the man that lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death, and their blood shall be upon them. So this is that whole idea, and we talked a lot about this in chapter 18. The, when, when it says lie with, it's talking about carnally, or to procreate, or to have sex with. It's, it's not just saying they were sleeping in the same bed. Right. Uh, you know, you think of this, how could anybody sleep with their mother, or dad, or brother? Doesn't necessarily make sense to me, but we want to remember, and we talked a lot about this on chapter 18. They're going into the land of Canaan. In the land of Canaan, all of these sexual perversions were considered normal. Okay, they did not have a word for incest. They did not have a word for adultery or fornication. It was like, if you wanted to just have a little fling, you just went out and it didn't matter who you did it with or, or even what you did it with. It was all okay in their, in their mind. Like everything that was wrong, they did right because they thought that was right. Well, they, they, did, they didn't have any wrong. That's they didn't. Yeah. And this is why God said to kill all of the inhabitants of Canaan. They had had 430 years of not responding to God and correcting themselves, and they had polluted the land. They had polluted the animals with their sexual behaviors. And God said they'd kill everything in that land. And it was because of these sins. And God's warning them even before they get there. This is the second time in, in two chapters that we've read this list of sins. Except this time now we're talking about the punishment for it. 
But God is really emphasizing to them, you're going into a land that this is prevalent. You came out of a land where most of this stuff was prevalent. Not quite as bad as Canaan was. Egypt wasn't quite as bad. They still had adultery was bad, though they didn't punish them, and, and incest was bad, but they, it happened all the time in Egypt, but they're going to a land where it happens all the time. Okay? Yeah. It's, it's neat because how he said it a while ago, I forget what day it was, but the help. They had worse sins than what we have now, and I, I always thought it was worse sins now, but I understand now. It was worse sins back then. I didn't think they would be as bad. As they have all the sins that we're headed to. Yeah, that's what I mean. We're going backwards. Yeah. We're going, yeah, because that's the tendency of man. That's the tendency of sin, to go back into depravity. It's only because of the influence of the church has had since Jesus came and, and to the and through the dark ages and the enlightenment period that sin was held in check. That's why when, you, when I read it, I think it, this is worse than what we're living in now. They had it bad. Uh, anyway, you know, if he lies with his father's wife and uncovers his father's nakedness, and this is the idea of revealing or uncovering. We talked about that. He shall surely be put to death. And then and the, for the, the word nakedness here, this nakedness is not just being undressed, okay? Uh, this happens in families. You may see some member of your family undressed. That is not what it's talking about. It's talking about shameful exposure, indecency, or improper behavior. So it's really talking about sexual uh, nakedness. It's not talking about, oh, she came up, you know, I saw my sister run from the bathroom to her room and she didn't have any clothes on. That's. It's like the saying, what's behind closed doors? That kind of nakedness yeah. is what they're talking about. Yeah. The, the nakedness of what, uh, of body parts and stuff. The things that pornography pushes into your, into your lifestyle and and uh, the some of the dressing that people will do to really try to draw the attention to, you know, both guys and girls do it. You know that they draw attention to, to the to their body and well, it's more than vanity in most cases. It is to make themselves a sex object. You know that. You know, I'm going to draw their attention. I want them to pay attention to me in the, for the wrong reasons. Seduction. Seduction. My, my daughter used to quite often come to me you know, when she was getting ready to buy clothes or have me go with her and says, what do you think about this? She wanted to know that what she was buying was proper attire, especially when the world was telling her, you know, you, you put on as little clothes as possible, and she wanted to be modest and, and decent in it. She still does do it, but now she knows what she's supposed to do. So. Verse 12, And if a man lie with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion, their blood shall be upon them. Okay, so a daughter-in-law you're not to, and confusion is perversion. I don't really, I don't know why they put confusion in there, because it's, it's a perversion. You're not to go after, you know, your daughter-in-law. That's your son's wife, not, not yours. You're not, and God says it's, it's perversion. And again, they're going into a land where this kind of stuff happens all the time. You know, uh, inner incest, uh, taking, taking your, 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 the wives of your kids, uh, orgies, all this stuff is what goes on in the land they're going to. Verses 13, if a man also lie with, with man as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon, upon them. And this is homosexuality. Very clearly talks about, about it being homosexuality. And 
this is this is verses verses like this. I don't know how the homosexuals get around them. You know, those who preach that homosexuality, the Bible doesn't say anything about homosexuality. You can't get much plainer than than Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20 when it says lie with man as with woman. Uh, it is very clearly for, you know saying that it says that it's an abomination. An abomination is really a strong word. It's disgusting. It causes revulsion. And this is where in our day and age they're trying so much to push it into our face so that it no longer appears as a revulsion because we've seen it so much. You know, we don't... Uh, for older people, the first time they see it, it's like, oh, how can that happen? And, they, and they're just revolted. And then you get people in my generation early that have seen it so much that it's still gross, but it's not, you've seen it so much that it doesn't have that repulsiveness. Oh, yeah, it's in the, old, it's in the New Testament, but it's very clear here. I mean, it's a little clouded in the New Testament, but it's not, you know, it, it uses words like turning from their natural affections for one another, which when you really look at it, it very clearly says, you know, going after one another in a sexual way. But this is so clear, there's no way you cannot understand it. It's clear to me. Uh, if you can't understand this as being homosexuality, there's something really screwed up in your mind. But God says it's an abomination. It brings apart that revulsion in somebody's in life, and it says they shall be put to death. All right, verse 14. Leviticus 20, verse 14. And if a man take a wife and her mother, it is a wickedness, and they shall be burnt with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness among you. Take, you mean take? Yes. Yeah. Exactly what you were thinking. We're on a list of sexual sins. <laughs> so you were not to take a mother and daughter together, or even separately, according in the first one. Uh, you know, and it says that this is a wickedness. It's incest. It's harlotry. It's idolatry. Even is what that word means. To take both the mother and the daughter, and it's and this is this is this is if you think we just saw a different punishment for this one though. Yeah, Before yeah, it's been they shall be stoned. put to death, which meant stoning. Yeah. Here it says they shall be burnt. Oh. Yeah. This that sin to worse. God is so. So bad to God that he's saying, I want it completely gone. I don't even want their bodies left. They're going to be burnt. You know, and this is this he considers this one to be a more severe in one sense than that homosexual sexual act that was just before that. Because that was still just two people. And when you get into this one, you're talking about a family. And again, this is what's going on in Canaan. Canaan, they're having the orgies, they're having every kind of Sexual activity goes in, in Canaan. Moloch worship encouraged that kind of activity. The, just the, the destruction of their babies that it started out with. You know, we, have, we have pre-abortion before the baby's born. In, in their time, it was mostly post-abortion. You, you went in and offered your baby that you didn't want to the gods. And you killed it. Same, same thing. <laughs> same process. In Rome, they would they would do the same thing. If you didn't want the baby, you killed it, threw it in the river, burned it, offered right. it to a god. You know, whatever it took to get rid of it, you did because you didn't want the baby. You know, we just are nice enough, I guess, to say we're going to kill the baby before it's even born. I guess if you want to say nice enough. But <laughs> verse 15: If a man lie with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall say, 
slay the beast. And if a woman approach unto a beast and lie down thereof, you shall kill the woman and the beast. They surely shall be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. So this is talking about bestiality. Uh, never even heard about some of these for, for the longest time. You know, and they're in the Bible. This is, this is the stuff that is, is, as you were saying, Sharon, you know, this is stuff that is becoming more and more open, more and more out there, and more and more acceptable. We're already starting to hear from people that have said, because you say that homosexuality is okay, then I want to be, I want to have more than one wife. I want to be, I want to have, I want to have a child, you know, that's getting just what was said would happen. They open the door for sinful behavior and the flesh wants all of it. They want more. It wants all of it. This, these sins were prevalent in the Canaanites, the Amorites, the, the sin was, uh, was prevalent in Greece. The sin, these sins were prevalent in Rome. The, these sins have always been prevalent in the world without God. And it's because man always wants more. The, the drunk always wants more. The, the, what drinks used to be enough isn't enough. The, the drug like user wants pack. more. There used to be a six pack, now it's like a 24 pack or 30, I mean, I think that'd be good. Yeah. What's called power? The, yeah. Those who get into sexual relationships always want to take it to the next, the next level. It's never going to stop at just the, the, the lowest level of that sin. It's always going to be more and greater. And this is what God's saying. There's consequences for this. And he's preparing them for the land they're going into. You are going to be separate. He says, I'm the God that sanctifies you. I'm setting you apart from the rest of the world. Verse 17. And if a man shall take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and see her nakedness, and she see his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off from the sight of their people, he has uncovered his sister's nakedness and shall bear his iniquity. Okay, so again, now this is talking about any form of your sister, whether it's half-sister or full-sister. He's saying, if she's related to you, you're not to go into her. Okay, and this is, that's what the take is in this one. It doesn't use lie, but he actually takes her. Uh, and it says, he has seen her nakedness. And again, this isn't just seeing her undressed, all right? Getting, up, getting caught up for you. This is the whole idea of that shameful exposure, the indecency, the, the sinful, improper behaviors. This is, they're, they're looking at each other for sexual purposes, you know, being drawn to each other. It's not just seeing them run from the bathtub to the, to the room or uh, you caught them, you walked in while they it's were undressing. Yeah, or even if it wasn't an accident, I mean, it's the idea of why are you seeing each other? Okay. So it's an equity. What was it? It's an equity. Iniquity is sin. Sin. Is well, and it's great, bear great his, sin. Bear his sin. It's iniquity is pretty much purposeful, purposeful sin. And they shall in this case now, they're not going to be killed because God's God's going to cut them off. He's going to separate them from the people so that their sin doesn't expand to the other people. But what they've done is not necessarily worthy of death. It's not adultery. It is fornication, but at least they're male and female, and it's a little closer in a relationship, and God says it's not supposed to happen, but he's going to say, if you're going to do that, it's not death. You're going to just be cut off from your people and sent, you know, separated from their people. But again, it's not, that, it's not that evilness of taking somebody else's wife. 
Okay, so we're in a new set of, new set of uh, sins here. The, these sins that we're looking at right now are not so much death sins. They're going to be separated from the people, kicked out of, the family, out of God's family, basically. Verse 6, 18. If a man shall lie with a woman having her sickness and shall uncover her nakedness, he has, dis he has discovered her fountain and she has uncovered the fountain and of her blood and both of them shall be cut off from among their people. And this sickness is menstruation. We've talked about that back in chapter 18. Uh, there is not to, God says that you were not to have, even if it was your wife, during, during menstruation you were not to engage in in co-population activities. I find it interesting they call it a sickness. Well, we still think of it as a sickness in many ways. I can remember when I was little. Oh, yeah. I mean, we didn't know what it was when we were kids, but people would say, oh, they got your sickness. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for not telling me. I thought I was dying. <laughs> but, but even like in, in, in when Sarah, if you remember when Sarah it said it returned the time of life to her. Oh. She had been past menstruation. She had passed menopause. And all of a sudden, she got cursed with it again so that she could have. So again, this is, this is that idea that God says, you know, and again, it's not, a, it's not one that's punishable by death. It's just you're, 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 you're violating God's truth and what he's wanting to to give. Verse 19, and you shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister or your father's sister, for he uncovereth his near kin and he shall and they shall bear their iniquity. So in other words, their aunts. This is what they're talking about here. And if a man shall lie with his uncle's wife, he, he hath uncovered his uncle's nakedness, they shall bear their sins, sin, and they shall die childless. Now, this is kind of a serious one, though, because now you're taking, okay, God's saying, if you're going to practice these sexual sins, he goes, I'm going to cut it off. And he goes, you're not going to have any children to pass this stuff on to, this even idea that it might be okay. And it says, you're going to die a childless, which means if there were any children before, they're going to be somehow lose their life, and you're not going to have any new ones. This is pretty serious section. This is definitely a cutting off of the people. And so he's including ants by physical blood and by marriage. And God is really drawing these lines. If they're your family, they're off limits. And again, this is all because they're getting ready to go into a land where family is not off limits. Matter of fact, it happened all the time in, those, in, that, in that. And you know, we're finding that to be more and more true in our day and age. You know, as, as I said, we're going back to all of these sins of, of, the, of those people. And as we get further and further from God, we get more and more into these, these sins that, and they're being looked at as being perfectly okay. You know, that is no big deal. It was just my sister. It was just my aunt. It was just my mother. You know, it's, it's no big deal. You know, who cares? Why? Because we're unpinning God's moral standard. And this is, this is where we're at. Our, our world is pulling away from God teaching that there's no absolute standards. And once you pull away from God and teach there's no absolute standards, then nothing is wrong. Because there's nothing to pin it to. Because there's no standard. Because there is no standard. If there is no standards, there's nothing to say that was wrong. And anything is, is permissible as long as you're mean enough or strong enough to make it happen, and it is permissible. Rape will be a thing, will be part of this as well. It's saying, well, I was strong enough to make it happen. It, it's not, not a problem. 
And we're yeah, going to find out that God says that rape is a, mer a capital offense. That's why I think that good look standard. This world is getting no, they're having no standard on anything. There's no standard that they can, well, there's no, I can do this, I can do that. And that's why theft is increasing. That's yeah. why murder is increasing. That's why, you know, the sexual perversions are increasing. There's no standard. There's no right or wrong. And what we're seeing a big trend in now is these mass murders that then turn the gun on themselves and kill themselves. Yeah. Because they have no... They kill seven or eight people, then they kill themselves. Because in their mind, there's, they're just ending people's lives. There's no eternity. There's nothing to be answerable to because this is all there is. And if that's where you're at, if this is all there is, killing myself doesn't matter, killing others doesn't matter. Uh, Hitler was a big fan of this whole idea of helping evolution work its way out. The strong put their will on others. And this world is gonna be a scary world when the church is lifted out of it completely and everybody is going to do what they want to do. It's already happening. Well, it's happening, but it's gonna get, Right now, the church is a restraining action upon evil. Yes, I believe that. Okay? The Holy Spirit is not, as popular people believe, going to be taken completely out of the world with the rapture. The Holy Spirit is still going to be here drawing people to God. But the church is not going to be the salt and the light there to say, you're doing wrong. This is not right. This is the right standard. They're not going to have anybody whispering into their brains, you know, that is you know, into their lives that, you know, you've got to follow God's standards. They're going to be doing what they want. And what the sin, and what the world wants is evil. trying to stone the churches. It's like throwing stones. We have that happening. That has happened in a lot of places. This is happening. People do not like light when they're in evil. They do not like the light shown on the fact that they're evil. They do not like salt thrown on their wounds when, they're, when, they're, when their conscience is already making them feel guilty. And we come along and say, God says that's wrong. We're throwing salt under their wounds. And if you've ever put salt on, a, on an open wound, it's good for the wound, but it doesn't feel good at all. And the church is that salt going on the wounds of these and holding and keeping it from growing because that's also what salt does to infection. It keeps it from growing. And when the church is taken out, sin is going to run rampant. It's already starting to run rampant. And we can't even imagine what's going to happen when God removes the church and says, okay, you, you thought you wanted this lifestyle. Here it is. Try to find fulfillment without me. And they're not going to find fulfillment. Anybody even now living in sin does not find fulfillment in that sin. It never fills that hole that's designed for God to fill because nothing's big enough to fill a hole that God has to fill. And the sins are out there. And they're going to keep getting worse. We see the progression even like 12-step programs. Let's say like drugs and alcohol and those types of things that you quit using your clean and sober for a season and then you go back to it and I've always heard that it progresses. Even though you're not using or abusing that substance if you go back to it it kind of, it still progresses and then you pick up and it's even worse. Mm. And I have, I questioned that I kind of went, mm, and I've seen it. And then over and over oh. and that's kind of like this. You're, Man, you, you go back to it and it's... 
Well, this is, this is why I always say with 12-step and all these things, any sin, no matter what it is, once you get rid of it, it's got to be replaced. Yes. And it's got to be replaced with God or you're going to either go back to that sin or another sin. It's not going to be just a hold there. It, it needs to have God in replacement. And that's one of the reasons I don't like 12 steps because they talk about a higher power. It needs to be God. They have to understand that the only thing that's going to keep them from returning is God. And it has to be replaced with something. It's the same thing even in, in nations and, 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 and civilization. If a power is taken out, another power must fill the void. It is just what happens. The, the position has to be filled or it will not stay empty. And we see it over civilizations. Greece falls, Rome starts. Okay, uh, The Babylonian Empire in, falls, the Medo-Persian Empire takes over. Uh, you know, Medo-Persian Empire falls and Greek takes over. I mean, it works out. You see it in the history of China with the different dynasties that kept following one right after the other. Because there's, there cannot be a power vacuum. There cannot be a vacuum there. Same way in our lives. We cannot take a sin out of our life and say, okay, God, I'm just removing this life. No, God, you can't fill that spot, but I'm just going to empty it. If we don't let God fill that spot, we're going to go back to that sin or something else that is probably just as bad or worse. And it's, it's a guaranteed what happens. Jesus, when he said, I cast out the demon, he says, the house has been swept. You need to fill it. You need to fill it with basically saying, you need to fill it with me because if you don't, that demon's going to come back and find it empty, and he's going to go do just what you said. He's going to bring seven worse demons in with him. Okay? And Jesus did this, was teaching the same thing. It cannot remain empty. It needs to be filled. Verse 20, And if a man shall lie with his uncle's wife, oops, we read that one already. Yeah. And 21, And if a man shall take his brother's wife, it is an unclean thing, and he has uncovered his brother's nakedness, and they shall be childless. Okay, so you, he's, prevent, he's prohibiting uh, in-laws. And he says it's an unclean thing. It's filthy. It's impure. Not just, un, not just unclean, but it is filthy and impure, he's saying. So these are, the, these are the sins. He's preparing them for going into a land where all of this stuff goes on without consequence. And this is why, he, again, this is why he's been, they've been told they're going to kill every living thing in Canaan. Okay, they were to kill the, all the people, all the children, all the animals were going to be killed because of the impurities that had been put in there. In both the mental impurities that they were going to infect them with, the, the physical impurities of, of all the open sexuality because it's not a new, sexually transmitted diseases are not a new phenomenon. They've been going on in all these countries that had these things. The descriptions of the... Of the of the Canaanites were, when, they, when you read their physical descriptions, have all kinds of sexually transmitted diseases that they were infected with. They were having bestiality, which infected the animals, and it crossed diseases that shouldn't have been into the human population. Wasn't AIDS one of those? Not AIDS, but uh, herpes and different things were ones that crossed over. Uh, so these are things that, if, these, they're not new. You know, Solomon in Ecclesiastes said there's nothing new under the sun, and there really is not. It, things get renamed, they get recycled, 
Most of the religions out there are not new. They're recycled. They're all recycled parts of Mystery Babylon with all of the horrendous things that Mystery Babylon represented. And that goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel, and that religion is still going today strong under different new names. And so we face it all the time. They just rename things. All this reincarnation and, and meditation and all these things that are out there are all parts of Mystery Babylon. Been there forever. Nothing new under the sun. Oh, yeah. Nothing new under the sun. It's been there forever. And it, all the idea of good works goes back to Mystery Babylon. It's, it's a horrendous foundation for all of Satan's evil. And it's out there. It's not new. All the sexual sins are not new. All the drug use is not new. It's been out there forever. It's, it's out there. And, and in the New Testament in Greek, it, the word for witchcraft is pharmakia, which yeah. has to do with drugs. with drugs as well as magic. But pretty much what they were looking at was they got their, they, they drugged the people into thinking they saw things. Uh, gave, them, gave them hallucinatory drugs for the most part. Now, every once in a while, you'd find somebody who was really a witch and could do, could do things, but most of it was pharmaceutical and, and hallucinatory drugs. And that's why when people say, well, drugs are okay, well, no, they're not. You know, even these lightweight drugs like marijuana and everything really aren't okay because you do get tired of them. You do get, you know, there are a handful of people who can stay on them forever and never, never advance. But, you know, I've talked to and heard a lot of people saying, they know that they're a gateway drug. They, they're the first step into higher I mean, the and worse things. God made all the herbs, and that was one of the good herbs that he made. And just, you know, my answer for anybody who wants to tell me that is, okay, I've got some hemlock. How about taking that? Yes. That's thing, an herb. One thing if, if herbs are good for you, here's some hemlock. Take as much as you want. One thing leads to another. Yeah. But that is the answer a lot of people will say, it's an herb, it's okay. And that, yeah. my answer is always back, you know, I've got some hemlock. Do you want to try that herb? What's that? Some will. It's poison. Oh, I don't It's inst almost instant poison. Yeah. <laughs> it kills you and it kills you quickly. Yeah. Verse 22. You shall therefore keep my statutes and all my judgments and do them that the land whither I bring you in to dwell spew you not out, and you shall not walk after the manner of the nation which I cast out before you, for they committed all these things, therefore I abhor them. Okay, so now he's starting to say, you're going to keep my statutes. Why? Because I want you to be separate. I want you to be my followers. Don't be like the land you're going into. He goes, I abhor them. What um, does spew mean? Spew, spit okay. out, vomit out. Okay, okay. Vomit out. The land is, okay. the land itself in Canaan was getting sick because of the sin of the people. Now, this is where we're coming. You know, God said when He talked to Cain, Cain, your brother's blood calls out to me. You've polluted the land. His blood is calling out. It's polluted, and the sins pollute the land. And then. Because this, remember, the earth was perfect in its creation as well. There were no thorns, no storms, no, no, no rain even. It right. took a mist. No earthquakes. None of those disasters that we find. And man sinned. And the earth itself was cursed yeah. into pain. Yeah. 
the earth itself has this curse. And then these people are adding to that sin so much. And God is saying that it wants to be cleaned. And it's the idea that we as Christians should be, feel so dirty when we're around sin. The sad thing is there's so many Christians that can watch pornography, can watch you know, people hurting each other and think that it's okay and not be burdened from it. Not feel that I've done something that's making me dirty. And this is so critical. What do we watch? What do we read? What do we listen to? Is it building up? Is it edifying? Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. And the more we fill our mind with garbage, mm-hmm. the more it doesn't repulse us. Right. That's the why more, I think it's like the more you, you, you put your mind to God, the more garbage you don't, it, it's like. But it has a two, it's a two-part thing. Yeah. It keeps us from adding any new yeah. garbage in, and the Word of God washes what? our mind. That's what, so it's a two-part thing. I'm not adding anything new to it, yeah. and... I'm taking my bath. My brain is taking a bath. I'm learning yeah, to amazing. think There's like God. I'm watching bad things, you know, but I won't watch them now because I just think like, <laughs> And that's just the way it is. And I've told you about my friend who's getting rid of every movie in his collection yeah. that, that uses na- God's name in vain. I think he, he went from 400 movies, three, 400 movies, and he's got about 20 left. <laughs> yeah. And those are all kids, and those are all kids' movies, and even some of the kids' movies aren't good. Yeah. Yeah. Doing anything. That's why I don't know how to watch TV anymore because I would not watch TV when they have gay, when they have all yeah, but, but it's that whole idea of what do we watch? What do we pay attention to? What are we filling our minds with? And then then we wonder where these thoughts pop into our heads when when we've been watching all these violent movies and the and the good guy shoots everybody and beats everybody up and he's the good guy. I mean, he's doing it for the right reasons, and then we wonder why do we want to kill this person who just, just did something wrong to me? You know, and we're, not, maybe, we're probably not going to act on it, but all of a sudden this thing pops into our head that I'm just going to smack this guy. You know. Why? We've been filling our minds with the wrong things. Jesus said very clearly, out of the abundance of our heart, we speak. And not just speak, but do. So we're filling our minds with all this violence, all this garbage, all this sexual innuendo, whether it's even pornographic or not. It's like you said, R with the naked people running around, you know, making us think these things. Statues. You know, all of a sudden, we start wondering, where did this come from? Now, the, the, the flip side of that is, the more time we spend in God's Word, the more time we spend listening to, to teachers, the more time we spend listening to gospel music, yeah. The, the more word. likely we are to come up with the right thought when, when I get, run into this person that I really don't like and I really want to, usually want to smack them upside the head and all of a sudden I'm saying, what can I do to be nice to this person? And you're like, where'd that thought come from? It came from filling my mind with God's love. I think God's like is like getting you whiter. It is. Yeah, it's cleaning. It is. And it's so precious. And I'm not saying just totally get rid of the oh, yeah, TV no, no. and totally, yeah, 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 no, you, know, yeah, you know, I have pretty much done that myself over time but and I would recommend it to anybody but I'm not going to say you have to do that but but my biggest thing that I keep saying saying however much time you spend in the world spend an equal amount of time with God so if you watch TV for five hours read your Bible listen to speakers for five hours it's it's not going to be a perfect balance but at least it should help 
clean out your mind and, and help balance the situation. You're not going to go forward doing that so much, but you are going to keep your mind cleaned and balanced. But, you know, so we want to look at this. God says, keep my statutes. Don't follow the nation. This is one of the things that's really getting to me. Every time I go to any kind of pastor's group, the big conversation on the pastor's groups are, what are we going to do now that the Supreme Court said that homosexuality marriages are legal? We're not going to marry homosexuals. We're still going to say it's a sin. Right. Game over. Let's go to the next topic. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't understand. They're all worried about this. And I don't understand. To me, it just... What's the, worst thing, what's the worst they can do? Take our church buildings away from us. Believing I still have a church. If they right. take this building away from us, we still have a church. We'll right. meet in the park. We'll meet in somebody's home. We'll meet in a garage someplace. Well, that probably is going to be happening to churches very soon. So we need to be prepared for that, that event. We need to be prepared for the day that we're going to be meeting in a tent or meeting in somebody's garage or somebody's living room because they've taken the building away because we're just so terribly bigoted and mean-spirited and hatred-filled because we won't recognize homosexuality. And that's why I've said even on Sunday morning, be prepared, people, because I am not going to preach anything but homosexuality is a sin. I'm not going to not going to slow down if they. The person is redeemable. We love the person. It's not about hating the person. Nope. It's the sin. The action. Yeah. And then it says verse 24. But I have said unto you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess the land flow that flows with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which has separated you from other people. Mm-hmm. God has separated us. He's given us rules. We are always going to be out of step with the world when we follow God. Because the world is full of flesh. The world is full of people who are openly sinning. And if we're following God, yes, we are going to sin. But yes, we are going to be out of step with the rest of the world. We're not going to think like they do. We're not going to act like they do. We're going to love people. People are going to look at us like, what are you loving me for? What's your, what, what is your agenda? Why, you know, you know, what do you want? I just want you to know God's love. You know, I want you to know God's love. I'm going to be kind to you because God says to be kind to you. I'm not going to participate in these sins because God says they're sins. And God says that he's, in verse 25, And you shall put a difference between clean beast and unclean and between clean fowl and unclean. And you shall not make your souls abominable by beast or by fowl or by any manner of living thing that creeps upon the go- ground, which I have separated for you from unclean. So God is saying there are things that you to keep away from. And this is why all these sins, he's talking about these sins, stay away from them. And if you participate in these sins and they're not a death sin, you're going to be separated from the people because he is not going to have his people infected. And again, that's what I've said over and over for our church. I don't care what sin, sins they're participating in when they come to this church. That is all fine and dandy because I want them to hear yeah. the word of God. Yeah. But again, if they come in and they say, you know, I'm homosexual and I want to have somebody that's going to play with me from this church. Now we've got a problem. They're infecting God's church and his people. Now we're going to be dealing with the problem. Being homosexual, being a thief, being a drug user, being a drug manufacturer, being, you know, whatever, come to the church, hear the word of God. Try to sell your stolen products or get somebody else to try to want to join you in, in a theft or buy your, buy your drugs. Now we're going to have a problem because you're yes. infecting the church. And it's a very fine line to walk because we want the, the world to be in here hearing the word of God. 
We want to go out, share the word of God. We want to be friends with some of the world so we have somebody to share the word of God with. They probably shouldn't be our best friends. We shouldn't be hanging with them all the time. Right. But we need friends that are lost. Otherwise, we have nobody to share the gospel with. That could change so, them, too. And they could change them. Oh, absolutely. So, all right, in verse 26, And ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and will sever you from among the people, and you shall be mine. Yes, that's also is the That's Lord. us also here. He severs us. He says, you're going to follow my rules. I am your God. I am holy. You are holy. You will be holy because I am in you, coming out of you. And this is very clear. When we see these, I, the Lord, am holy, or I am the Lord, your God, he's basically saying, I am going to fill you, and you're going to be holy because I'm coming out of you. And this is where our holiness is. This is what we're rewarded for, not what I can do. If I can do it, it's a work of the flesh, and it doesn't matter how good it is. It's wood. Very solid, very substantial, but it is going to burn because it is my works. It has to be God coming out of me, doing the work. And then, it, and then he says, okay, you let me do it, and now I'm going to give you the reward for letting me work through you. You're going to have gold, silver, and jewels because he worked through us. And I, I've said this over and over. I've said it over and over. I love God's plan. He does the work, and we get the rewards. Right. That's like him saying, I'm going to go to work for you today, and, I'm, and you get the money for going to work, for me going to work for you. That's exactly what he's saying. I'm going to work through you, and I'm going to give you the reward for allowing me to do that. And there's nothing like it. Yes, there's nothing, nothing like, like knowing it. that you know, that you know, that you know. Uh, a word, a touch, uh, an encouragement is just from the throne of grace to bless that person because God loves them. Yeah, and the best ones are the ones you don't even know about. Right. The times you've right. touched somebody's life and you know nothing about it. And I've had more than one person come up through the years, even before I was a pastor, and say, you know, you taught something or you did something, thank you. And I'm going, I don't even remember doing that, but okay. You know, I've been receiving a card once a year for about 10, 11 years now, and it's postmarked um, And this lady just puts a smiley face and says, it's me, there's no return address. And she just says, you know, I just want to thank you for that kind, that act of kindness all those years ago and it changed my life. I have no idea who this is. Mm -hmm. And I keep asking Lord, oh come on, it's a prank, it's something. But this woman, every year I get a card somewhere, was thinking about you, Miss Debbie, and mm -hmm. hope you're well. And I'm like, God, could she at least put a return sticker on it? Or yeah, they, they yeah but, to say, wow, what it, it blesses me. It always comes when I'm feeling pretty bad about yeah. myself. That, and, that, and that's, and that's yeah. the key. That's yeah. One of the reasons yeah. I like sending cards to people is because a lot of times people read the card once, then they put it down someplace, and then when they pick it up, they read it again, and then usually when they pick it up, it's just what they needed to hear again. Because you know, most people don't read a card and throw it away directly. They sit on a nightstand or something, yeah. and then they go, oh, what was this? And they open it up again and reread it. And, you know, but you never know what's out there, what, what way we've touched individuals. All right, this last verse, we've gone a little bit over. We're going to do a man also or a woman that has a familiar spirit or is a wizard surely shall be put to death 
They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon their heads. Remember, we kind of opened this with the whole idea of familiar spirits. So God is really saying, you're not going there. You're not to go to familiar spirits. And this goes into astrology, the uh, for, fortune tellers, psychics are all participating in familiar spirits, communing with demons, and as we've talked about. The, the actual thing is to commune with the dead, but they're, again, remember, they're not communing with the literal dead. They're communing with demons pretending to be right. the right. dead person. Right. So I, I want to keep that in mind so that nobody, there are no such things as ghosts. There are things pretending to be ghosts, yes. okay? So we want to be careful with that. There are spirits all over Kingman and all over this world pretending to be ghosts, haunting buildings so that they can draw people into working with familiar spirits. And they want to, the familiar spirits want to indwell people. They're, they're never happy just to be wandering around buildings. They want to eventually get into that person. And that is where God is saying, don't open yourself up for that. I got a question. I have uh -huh. this word, S-H-E-O-L. What is that? S That's what? Shoal. What? Shoal. What does that mean? Because it's always in the Bible, and I'll read S-H-E-O-L. Sheol. Yeah. Oh, the abode of the dead. The what? Hell. The abode. It's not technically hell. It, it is more like Hades. It's the abode of the dead. It's where the dead go to be held. A B O D E. The easiest answer would be just say hell. <laughs> it's a little more than hell, but yeah, hell yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shio Hades. I remember we did it, but I forgot what Yeah. Yeah. It 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 means the abode of the dead. It's where the people go, where the souls go before they. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, help us to keep ourselves pure and, and righteous. Help us to fill our minds with your word and your desires. Help us to, to bring others to you, to be holy, to be separate. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.